0: It's so important for us to gather when we are able, and I know that many of our members may be immunocompromised or not comfortable at this moment gathering, but one of the things that is so important, Hebrews 10, 25 says, is to come together as the people of God and to hear the voices and to see one another is such a gift to us from the Lord. And so it's so good to be together, and we're going to continue worshiping by reading God's Word. God's Word is how He has chosen to comfort and encourage and challenge and convict his people towards pursuing and fulfilling our kingdom potential. And so we're going to be in God's word again this morning and we're going to be in 2 Timothy. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to 2 Timothy. It's in the New Testament and if you have a phone, you may want to follow along. Uh, I prefer the YouVersion smart app that I read from when I don't have a, a paper copy of the Bible. So if you want to follow along with us And we want to give you time to join us there. And it's been mentioned how good it is to have people of all ages and children and infants and this room together when we do gather as we continue to slowly ease back into doing church in the midst of the season and 2020 the way things are. And so I don't know how your week's going, but speaking of children, I asked the kids this week when I was preparing dinner options, I said, hey, do you want PB&J or do you want black bean burgers? And one of the kids said, you know what, I'll just take air. I'll just stick with air. And I said, now that we got plenty of. So neither one of those options were enjoyable or advantageous. But I'm so grateful that no matter what's going on or what type of week you had, we together get to feast and be nourished and built up on the word of God. And so today we're going to be reading a little bit longer passage than normal. So I'm going to ask you to, to remain seated. If you're at home watching with us, remain seated. I'm going to read this together. We will stand at the end of our time together in honor of God's word as is our tradition. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Let's start reading there. The apostle Paul says to Timothy, a young pastor, remind them of these things. And charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who doesn't need to be ashamed. Correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech. Since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philatus are among them. These men have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm bearing this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Let's move fast forward to verse 22. So flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes, because you know they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient instructing his opponents with gentleness, and perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Let's pray together so that we will have the full understanding of God's Holy Spirit as we dig into his word together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you keep us, you comfort us, you convict us, and you encourage us to fulfill our kingdom potential as individuals as in a church through your truth, through the Word. I pray that that would take place this morning. Open the eyes and the ears and the hearts spiritually of the women, the men, and the children in this room and throughout our congregation this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, here's one thing that I want you to know from our time in God's Word together today. If you have a pen, if you journal with us, if you jot down in the margins of the Bible... Listen, to get where you want to go and definitely where God wants you to be, you may have to remove or deconstruct some things in your life that keep you from getting there. That's God's truth for us today from this text, from Paul's letter to a young pastor named Timothy and to a church in Ephesus in modern day Turkey. To get where you want to go and definitely to arrive at where God wants you to be. You may have to remove or deconstruct some things in your life that keep you from getting where you want to be. Recently, we moved to get closer into the city of Nashville and to be closer into the people of God and those that we are in community with. And so when we moved into the new home, we walked into the primary bathroom on the first floor and we saw the bathroom and we were grateful for the Lord's provision to even be in this home. But we said, you know what, we might like to do a few things in this place. We might like to put some new sinks in or put a vanity in and I don't have a problem with jacuzzi tubs, but that's not really my thing. And so we might want to do something a little bit different there or maybe some different tile in the shower. And so when I shared that with some of my friends, they said, well, you know, you, you can remove all that stuff. Like that's really not that expensive. I mean, you can just go in and remove it. It's not expensive, but I have found that that is back breaking and time consuming. But once you start with that hammer, Busting through tile and ripping up flooring. You can't stop. Once you get it started, you can't stop. But I had a couple of friends from staff and others who came over with me, and we completely destructed the bathroom. We took away the shower. We took away the jacuzzi. We took away the sinks. We took away the vanities. We took away all of those things. And I can remember standing there thinking... When we first walked in, this is the picture I have in my mind of what this place could look like. And with all the inspiration of Chip and JoJo Gaines, I thought the shiplap is going to be beautiful. The fixtures are going to be awesome. But in order to get where we wanted to go, we had to deconstruct and remove some things in order to get there. Now, I'm illustrating the obvious. You know that. I know that. Many of us, we have a preferred picture of what a space architecturally will look like. We've got some incredibly gifted and talented women and men in this room and in our congregation who are engineers and architects and designers, and you live in this world consistently. You have a preferred picture of what the future should look like. But in order to get there, oftentimes we have to deconstruct what may be standing in the way of what we're after and what we want. And when Paul talks to the apostle, when the Apostle Paul talks to Timothy, a young pastor in Ephesus, as we've been in this this book and in this chapter now for week two, you may read and you may say, like, I don't have a lot in common with Timothy. I don't live in the Mediterranean. I don't live in modern-day Turkey. I, I don't know how much I have in common with him. Well, in the early church movement around the first century, many of the churches, they did not meet in sanctuaries like what we have here, whether for persecution or some other reason, or the church didn't have the resources to literally purchase a facility or lease one, they would meet in homes. They would meet in homes like many of us have done, or maybe digitally for many of us, we had watch parties on Facebook the past three or four months when we couldn't gather physically. There was a church house movement where the church would gather in large groups when they could but more times than not they gathered in small groups in the homes consistently week in and week out so in some ways it's not that much of a stretch to say Paul is talking to a pastor who's leading a small group that might be meeting in his home or someone else's home and the church was gathered in small groups it's much like Paul's writing to the small group leaders in the church and as Timothy unrolled this scroll or this letter and read it Think about all the leaders who were leading groups in their homes. Think about the life group leaders in this church. Think about those of us who are Bible reading group leaders in this church. Think about the mentors who are leading in mentor relationships. Hey, listen, by the way, let me just say something real quickly. Churches are really good about promoting and pushing. I'm not talking about us, I'm talking about churches in general. They're really good about pushing and promoting and encouraging, whether it's service or involvement. I have personally found churches don't always do a really good job of celebrating and thanking, and that's why I ask our staff: let's have an attitude of gratitude and celebration when, when we're on board with what God's calling us to do. In the past week, there has been how many, hunter? About 40 people. In the past week, there have been 40 women and men in our church as we're going through this series talking about, listen, if the gospel has come to you and Jesus Christ has saved you through his finished work on the cross and the power of God through the resurrection, it has come to you so that it can go through you to someone else. As a disciple or a follower of Jesus, now let's go make other disciples, which, by the way, is what Jesus told the church to do. Go and make disciples it's come into you it's on its way through you to someone else so you need to be in a group with other people where you can be encouraged how do I do that like what does that look like and and 40 women and men in the past week 17 of them as I understand it have signed up for mentor relationships It doesn't have to be a group of 10 to 12 people, and for some of us, we're we're maybe a little uncomfortable meeting in an enclosed space with a small group of people. That's fine. Mentor relationships is just as important. You sitting with someone of the same gender, working through what God is teaching you, and maybe they're just a little bit further than you, but we want to celebrate that, and I want to thank those of you who've done that. I want to thank especially those of you who heard me or heard someone else mention how important it is for you to be in biblical community where you can then go and make disciples and you can be encouraged about how to do that. Some of you may have been so nervous. You may have thought it's easy for you to say from the platform, but that's, that's a scary thing. I, I don't know if I can trust someone with my story. I don't know if I can be vulnerable in a group of people. Listen. All the Lord requires of us is obedience, just to take that first step and watch what the Holy Spirit can do through friends and others who come around you like the family of God and cheer loudly for you when you need it, encourage you, comfort you when you need it. That's what being in biblical community is about. We want to celebrate that today. And as our staff, I think it's fair, Hunter, for us to say we are very grateful for you stepping forward to do that. We believe God's best is right in front of you. And so Paul's writing to potentially a small group pastor, if you will, with multiple small groups in the church. And he tells him here in this passage several of the things that they should be focused on. The the most primary one that he tells them to be focused on is in verse 15. Read with me. Be, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one who is approved. Be diligent to present yourself. Here's the type of things that a small group leader, here's the type of thing that groups in churches should be focused on. Correctly teach the word of truth. The thing you should be focused on is teaching and modeling and being an example of the word of truth, how it's affected you, affected you, worked in and through you, and changed and transformed your life. Now, listen, part of teaching is well, did you know what's in the New Testament? Did you know these are the Ten Commandments? I mean, there's a knowledge and an information, right? But what Paul's talking about is not just transference of information. And oftentimes in churches, when I was younger and throughout previous generation, it's been, let's communicate information. And as long as we know how to quote passages, and as long as we know who the kings were in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, like, it was about information, it was about knowledge, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what Paul's talking about here and what we're trying to get at as a church in 2020 is not the transference of information, but the transformation of women and men from the inside out in a way where it's not like behavior modification that you put on the mask and you wear the smile and you pray really hard and hope, but nothing changes because the transformation that God can do through the power of his Holy Spirit and the risen Jesus comes from within. When the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your life, he brings with him the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things that transform us from the inside out, and we need community to, to experience these things. The Holy Spirit brings it, but we need to be doing these in community with others. And how do we do that? We immerse ourselves as groups and as individuals in the Word of God. And so Paul says, this is what the church should be about. That's why we preach from the word. And even if we tell an illustration or a story, we try not to connect you to us or our experience because we want you to be connected and rooted in the truth and the word of God because God has chosen his word to keep and comfort and convict and encourage and challenge us. So Paul says, this is what you should be focused on. So, when you think about as we're thinking about how to be good stewards of financial resources in a pandemic, in times past, we have done different Bible studies. And maybe it's been a Christian author, which is ba- based and rooted in Scripture, but it's not just the Scripture itself. So, Hunter and I earlier this spring started looking through how, how can we write curriculum? How can we that doesn't require purchasing an extra book? How can we be focused just on the Bible and write in house biblical? opportunities and curriculum for us to dig into this together. We're not only being good stewards, but we're making sure we're not attaching ourselves to what any other even Christian author or writer thinks, but what God thinks. I hope you have your favorite pastor that you listen to on podcast. I hope you have your favorite Christian writer or leader. And many of us have been formed and shaped by people that are so important to us. That is all good. But as a church and as Christians, the most important thing we can do is anchor ourselves in what Jesus says and what the word of God says more than anyone else. And that's what Paul says we should be focused on. That's what you should be focused on. Now, if that's where we're headed and that's where we need to get to, Paul says, okay, if that's the preferred future of the church, remember my my illustration about, okay, this is where we're headed. Then there's going to be some things we might have to deconstruct and remove in order to get there. And look at what Paul says. Paul says, look at verse 14. If you still have your Bible open in front of you, and I hope you do. He says, remind them, we're not really sure who the them is, but we think it's the Christians in the church in Ephesus, but let's read that as if he's talking to the church at Avenue South. That's how the word of God is living and active. Paul's about to get up in our business just a tad bit, okay? So settle in and buckle your seatbelt, okay? If that's where we're headed, then remind the church not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Don't quarrel over words. I later read in verse 23, if you still have your Bible up and look in verse 23, reject foolish and ignorant disputes. Don't be about foolishness. The Lord doesn't have time for foolishness. There are people this very morning who are slipping into eternity that do not know Jesus Christ. And they will spend eternity separated from the love of God. There's no time, church, for foolishness. It leads to godlessness. It doesn't help you grow closer to Christ. It leads you further away. And guess what? A lost and unbelieving world is watching the church when we quarrel or when we argue. Now, anytime I teach a text like this, somebody may say, hey, were you trying to like passively, aggressively talk to somebody in the congregation about this? Listen, I'm not. And Hunter and I talk about our group vitality and the health of our mental relationships. We are so grateful for the culture or the ethos that has been created here trying to get people in biblical community and be about the things that God tells us to. We are so grateful for the health and the vitality of biblical community that exists in our church. But here's, here's what I've seen in 2 Timothy. Not necessarily that Timothy was struggling with this. And we have no indication, as far as I understand it, that this was rampant, the quarreling. I mean, there were guys, he mentions a couple that were false teachers every now and again, somebody will stand up and teach something perhaps in a small group. It's like, God didn't say that. That's not in scripture. We need to confront that. He mentions that. Okay. He mentions a couple of guys and he says, when they do that, it's like spreading godlessness, like gangrene. And that is like not a compliment, right? If you're like that person, she loves Jesus. She's so kind. She's so gentle. If anybody's like, they're a Christian and what they do spreads like gangrene, like that is like, so not a compliment. Okay. So there were false teachers in the church, yes, but one of the things that I have learned from reading this letter from Paul to Timothy is that he's saying, hey, you're growing, and things are going well. But inevitably, because we are born again, but we will always wrestle with the flesh and wanting to revert to what we want and not what God wants. Until Jesus returns, that's the way it's going to be. We're going to struggle with that, and Paul talked about that in the book of Romans. This is where sometimes group life goes. It, it goes to what's in it for me. It goes to this is our group, and we're, we're good. It, it goes to, hey, the, the church exists for, for us and what we're doing. And again, I'm not talking to anybody in this room, but as Christians and as a minister for nearly 20-plus years, one of the things I have seen is that sometimes Christians can be inwardly focused. We can unintentionally get distracted on things that do not matter. That's one of the reasons when we launched five and a half years ago Every six to eight weeks, we had a serving Saturday where we encouraged groups, life groups, mentors, others to serve together every couple of weeks. Because we not only wanted to intake the Bible and grow together, but we wanted to be outwardly focused on our community. The church exists for people that aren't even part of our church family yet. We never need to forget that. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's okay to have our preferences and opinions but we need to crucify those things at the feet of Jesus and say, what can we do to reach the lost and serve? And I've said this quite often. Matthew, we you turn the air back on? Is it just me? Is it warm in here? Maybe I'm under these heat lamps. I don't know, brother. You know, Ronnie, has that ever happened to you up here? <laughs> For those of you who are at home, it's hot up in here, okay? Now, here's what I want you to know. Sometimes churches, sometimes churches become inwardly focused, And they get caught up on squabbling over stuff that doesn't matter. And you know this is true because you've seen it on social media. You've seen it on social media. You've seen Christians arguing their perspective and their point, even well-intended on social media, with other Christians. One of the things that social media does is it tells great, captivating stories, but oftentimes it appeals to our emotions. It appeals to our emotions. It arrests our affections and our intentions. And we respond without thinking, without praying. One of the things many of us need to do is run every post we have through a, through a grace filter. Does this need to be said, what I'm about to say? Does it need to be said by me? If it does need to be said, and it does need to be said by me, does it need to be said at this time? Right? Listen, I'm all for sharing your convictions about what the Lord has put on your heart, but don't get caught up in anything that distracts us or hinders someone who does not know Jesus from coming into the kingdom of God. And if there's any doubt or discrepancy, just don't go there. And so for some of us, when we think about what he's saying here is don't do this, don't fight about words, don't re- reject foolishness, ignorant disputes, flee youthful passions. A lot of times people read that and they're thinking, oh, he's talking about something sensual or something sexual. He's not. He's talking about... Fleet, get away from immature garbage. Get away from immaturity. And for some of us, right, when we were younger, there were there were stands we were willing to make. That now when we look back, we're like, I'm so glad my parents did not allow me to do that when I was pleading with them. My mom used to say, nothing good happens after midnight. So your curfew is midnight. I'm like, come on, I'm 18, I'm a grown man. Let me stay out. How stupid. How foolish. As we grow, we realize, much like I did, my my parents aren't as silly or as uninformed as I thought they were at 18. They're actually wise. They had lived long enough to know what I couldn't appreciate. That's one of the great things about growth and maturity in relationship with Jesus Christ. For many of us, we have thoughts, we have opinions, we have convictions that given a little bit of time and a little bit of growth and a little bit of maturity, those things may change a little bit. So maybe we, we don't post immediately. Maybe we pray about it. Maybe we soak on it. Maybe we ask Jesus what he thinks. But for some of us in the room, maybe we need to deconstruct immaturity. Maybe we need to get rid of foolish, quarrelsome things. And again, as I'm saying that, if you're like, oh, my gosh, I, I, I wish I hadn't said this at small group, or, oh, my gosh, I, I tend to just gravitate towards that stuff. Well, Paul is saying you're never going to get where God wants you to be as long as these things hinder you from getting there. So as I'm saying this, there may be some of us that are like, I want to reach the law, so here's, here's what's got to go out of my life. And you may literally want to write down something. Maybe you need to fast from social media. Maybe you need to fast from social media for 24 hours. I know some of you just threw up in your mouth. You're like, oh, my gosh. Like... I'm connected to it, right? Anybody ever misplace your phone or you leave it when you go into a meeting and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know who I am. And somebody introduces himself like, I don't know who I am. I don't have my phone with me. Like, we're so connected and so immersed, right? But maybe just take a break fast. Maybe when we go to group, I'm a talker. I'm a talker. When this room, you know, empties out, I could stand here and talk to that brick wall for about 30 minutes. I could, I'm a talker. But sometimes I've said, you know what? I don't need to talk today. So maybe in the group, if you're the talker, Maybe just listen. Maybe what needs to go is offering your thoughts so that someone else can share what God's teaching them, right? So as Paul is saying these words, are there things we need to deconstruct? Are there things we need to remove? Are there things we need to stop doing, deconstruct, so that God can build in our lives and build in our church what needs to take place? Paul says eight imperatives in this passage. Do this. Don't do that. And listen, when he says this, he's saying you you can and should do something about these things. doesn't mean the Holy Spirit won't help you. The Bible tells us, especially in John 15, that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He helps us. But at some point, it's not just, okay, God, make this happen in my life. It's you and me making a willing decision to stop doing certain behaviors and actions so that we can put ourselves in a position to grow and flourish and be disciples who make disciples. You and I have to be accountable to do what we can do to contribute to what God wants to accomplish in our lives. That's up to you and me. And so Paul tells Timothy, what you should be about is the word of God so that people can come into the kingdom of God. What you should avoid, what you should deconstruct, what you should flee from are foolish, immature, quarrelsome things And how many of us need to learn this lesson right now for sure? Because in eight weeks, there's going to be election in our country. The divisive rhetoric, so I don't use this platform to talk about politics. I'm just telling you, I I live in this world. You live in this world. The rhetoric and the discussions on social are not going to diminish. And even after November 4th, they're not going to diminish. You and I had better figure out a way to remove these things. So that we don't become a stumbling block to a lost and unbelieving world. And also so that we can be for the flourishing of one another. And John, in the New Testament, in 1 John chapter 4, read 1 John chapter 4. John says, we got to love one another. 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 In order to do that well, in order to do that well, there are some things that may need to go from your life. So that you can get where you want to be and definitely where God wants you to be. And that's what the Apostle Paul's telling Timothy. That's what he's talking about, the church at Avenue South. And so the Spirit can definitely help us with that, but you and I need to make decisions. We need to make decisions on what needs to go. And as I'm preaching, it may be something totally unrelated to being in a small group. There may be a thought, an attitude, a behavior in your life that you're like, oh my gosh, he's not even talking about X or Y, but that he's speaking right to me. That needs to go. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. But let's put ourselves in a position to help one another flourish and to reach our community with the love of God so that we can serve them and minister to them and encourage them to reach their full potential of who they were created to be. Let me encourage you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment.